This is Andrew Schultz. I'm the sales manager for CHS Ag Services. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Blizzard warnings have been posted along the North and South Dakota border across the southern half of Minnesota to central and eastern Iowa. Winter storm warnings are also posted from eastern Kansas through Missouri across the Great Lakes region into the Ohio River Valley, Ohio, Pennsylvania, as well as New York. World Weather Incorporated says snow accumulations are expected to range from 2 to 7 inches of snow across most locations with strong winds and temperatures well below normal. National Weather Service Aberdeen Senior Meteorologist Troy Kleffman says the next 24 hours will be hazardous travel conditions and extremely cold temperatures. We've got uh, widespread blizzard warnings along with wind chill warnings. Blizzard warnings are in effect because the snow that's on the ground is being blown around and causing uh, significant uh, visibility reductions, especially in rural areas. Meanwhile, temperatures are right now generally in the teens below zero and uh, only expecting temperatures to rise a few more degrees today with uh, whatever sunshine we have. But uh, wind chills are running anywhere from 40 below to even as cold as 50 below across parts of the area, and that's expected to continue into tonight and Friday. The high wind gusts are a cause for concern. Clefman says higher winds further west will move eastward. Wind gusts right now are gusting into the 40-mile-an-hour range across especially western parts of the Dakotas and into eastern Montana. That's where we're actually currently seeing some of the worst visibility conditions, according to various webcams uh, across the region. But those winds will gradually kind of shift to the east. We're looking at uh, stronger winds developing Later today into tonight across the eastern Dakotas and Minnesota, and we expect uh, conditions, at least visibility-wise, to deteriorate uh, across the entire region. Extreme cold through Saturday will continue to induce livestock stress and high energy demand. World Weather Incorporated says Friday and Saturday mornings will be the coldest with air temperatures in the negative 20s in the east to negative 30s in the west. A few extreme temperatures nearing 40 below are possible. Temperatures are expected to start warming Sunday, near to above normal temperatures expected by the second week of the two-week outlook. Light snow showers are possible most days through Wednesday across the northern plains. Snow and cold temperatures have dominated the headlines the last several days, but South Dakota State University Extension State climatologist Laura Edwards says the snow may actually have several benefits despite the disruptions. Typically, we don't think of crops much in the winter, but with the snow cover, one thing we do think of is the benefits to covering winter wheat and alfalfa, protecting it from this extreme cold and freeze damage. So that's good news. Also, given the drought situation, we've had a lot of dry grasses in our pasture and range. So having this deep snow cover does help a lot preventing wildfire, but also will benefit us into the spring with moisture. And I know the snowfall is really hard to deal with when it measures in feet and not inches, but it has benefits on the cropping and livestock side as well. Edwards says this December is proving to be quite different than normal. This year, even though we're in a La Nina pattern, very similar to last two years, it's not behaving the same way. <laughs> and so it's really quite a bit different. La Nina can help predict what our winter climate will be, but doesn't act the same. 
every year exactly. But, yeah, the last two winters have been pretty mild and not a lot of snowfall, which I think has contributed to the drought conditions we've seen in the last couple of years. So crossing fingers, at least um, some optimism, at least now um, with the moisture we've had just the last couple of weeks, that this will benefit us in the long run in the spring. The large amount of snowfall in recent weeks has helped prevent drought conditions from spreading. According to the U.S. Drought Monitor, North Dakota has regressed from 28% of the state in severe drought to 17%. 79% of North Dakota is still in severe drought. For Minnesota, all drought categories lowered by 1-2%, to 2%, with 34% of the state experiencing no drought. South Dakota saw the biggest improvement going from 12 to 3 percent in the extreme drought areas and 37 to 19 percent severe drought. Central South Dakota in Stanley and Jones counties are completely drought-free, along with a small portion in the southwest corner of Harding County. NAU Country Vice President of Farm Services Rich Morrison says traders are keeping an eye on the wheat crop as temperatures fall below freezing well into the southern plains. Yeah, we did put some premium in the wheat markets, uh, for the, for the cold weather, uh, here early this morning, it had been a two-sided trade. So, you know, it, it, you're, you're getting a cold snap, but then next week I see some areas supposed to be in the 50s and 60s in winter wheat country. So it, it's, you know, kind of all over the place. And, you know, we typically kill the wheat crop uh, a few times every year, and I guess this is another one. Weekly export sales aren't helping the grains. They were pretty disappointing across the board again. Uh, bean sales starting to slip back, uh, and corn continues to struggle. So I think that's uh, weighing on the markets here this morning. USDA's weekly export sales report for the week ending December 15th showed corn export sales at 639,000 metric tons. That's 33% less than the previous week. It's 38% less than the four-week average. Net soybean sales are reported at 876,000 tons, 70% less than the previous week, and 42% less than the four-week average. Net wheat sales at 334,000 tons are down 29% from the previous week, but sitting right at that four-week average. Timely rains are expected to continue across most of Brazil's crop-growing region over the next two weeks. World Weather Incorporated says Brazil will see a good mix of rain and sunshine with a few pockets of dryness in southern Brazil. Rain in Argentina will continue through Sunday, bringing temporary relief to dryness, but drier weather returns next week. World Weather says there is rain in Argentina's forecast, but it will be light and widely scattered and will not be enough to improve soil moisture. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thin trading volume has been a feature in this week's trade. Martinson Ag Risk Management President Randy Martinson expects light volume to continue into the new year. I do. I think tomorrow we could really see, you know, the Friday see a really poor session, really thinly traded in the next week. You know, since the market's going to be closed on Monday and it's going to be only four days, I really expect to see some thin light trading. Then trading volume can lead to extreme volatility. Exactly. That's the other thing is that, you know, we're going to, we could start to see some pretty big moves. If we start seeing, if any news breaks, uh, it's going to take quite a bit of movement to uh, kind of price that in. We could see some good volatility, but yeah, the, the thinner the trading, the more volatile it can get. 
The Senate confirmed Alexis Taylor as USDA's Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agriculture Affairs yesterday. U.S. Grains Council Director of Trade Policy Andrew Brandt is excited to be working with Taylor in the future. I think her confirmation is a big win for not only the U.S. Grains Council, but all of agriculture. Alexis is a very well-qualified candidate. I actually worked with her. We worked together on Capitol Hill way back in the 2009s and 10s. Um, So I can speak firsthand of her uh, knowledge and interest in looking out for U.S. agriculture. I think she'll be a great advocate for us, uh, especially on the trade front. And Brandt says her knowledge will be useful in some of the U.S. Grains Council's trade agenda items. We look forward to having a great working relationship with her. Um, We've got a number of issues going on throughout the world, uh, whether it's uh, Mexico's biotech decree, IPEF, uh, Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, or some of the issues we're seeing with the European Union as far as their Farm to Fork initiative and some of the ways they are starting to try and work, use trade policy to try and reach environmental goals. You know, I think we look forward to working with her on a lot of those issues to try and make sure that first, U.S. agriculture is not disadvantaged by any of uh, any of those policies, specifically for Mexico or the EU, but then also uh, you know, hopefully playing offense in the future. If you deal with diesel engines in sub-zero temperatures, you know problems tend to arise. Uh, Heavy-duty driver Wilson for Jim's Towing in West Fargo, North Dakota, says it's been a busy few days. Every year comes to this time of year where trucks just aren't real happy about the cold temperatures. You know, we're seeing a lot of gel-ups, a lot of frozen brakes, a lot of broken coolant fittings, stuff like that. Plastic doesn't like the cold. Wilson says there are some preventative measures you can take to avoid breakdowns, but encourages people to to be prepared if they are on the road. A lot of guys that are parking their trucks outside and stuff, you're going to want to put number one in there. And when it comes to fuel additives, stuff like that, everybody's kind of got their own particular chemical they like to use to try and battle that cold weather. Another big one is keeping your fuel filters changed out. I was just actually up in Portal, North Dakota yesterday to grab a guy for uh, his fuel gelled up. He was hauling cattle. By the time that I get something like that, Usually they have somebody come get the trailer. In the back of your mind, kind of have a plan. If something does go down, what you're going to do? So then when you call us, we don't have a bunch of figuring out and planning and stuff to see what we're going to do. The United Soybean Board partnered with Purdue University to study the effects of soybean oil in biofuels on retail food prices. USB Vice President of Market Intelligence, Max Marshall, says there has been a slight increase in soybean oil price, but other factors like transportation costs and inflation are also contributors. If you're looking at the the products that for which soybean oil is, you know, a, a major ingredient, you do see some increases in that. So in the study, you see, you know, an eight plus percent increase in the commodity price level of soybean oil. And then the biggest retail level price increase, I think is for salad and cooking oils, which was about four and a half percent, strictly attributable to increased use in biofuels. Yes, you, you, you do see pass through there for the oil heavy food products. U.S. Class 1 railroads originated 24,000 grain carloads during the week ending December 10th, down 9% from the previous week, 7% less than the three-year average. USDA's Grain Transportation Report says the average shuttle secondary rail car bids and offers was at $950 above tariff during the week ending December 15th. 
That's $333 more than the previous week, but $53 less than last year. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The 2022 growing season started very late with very wet conditions. Pioneer Corn Product Manager Scott Walker says the crop caught up quickly and performed well. There's very little moisture in the soil profile and that will be a consideration heading into the new year. Look at the drought scores. Um, anything with seven or eight in, in, in our book uh, would be good for, for those particular acres, especially up there in North Dakota and, and northern South Dakota as well. Preparation is the key to success. Every acre is different. Every growing season is different. You want to make sure you diversify your package. Uh, the genetics that we're providing have, a, have some more exclusive genetics, a, a good diversity within our lineup. American Lamb Board Secretary Sally Scholl says lamb industry is still trying to rebound after the pandemic. One of the primary issues that we've run into is pretty much like everybody else's, and that's the pandemic. So it really influenced a lot of lamb sales. Pretty much most of our lamb goes into food service, especially fine dining. You know, nice restaurants where people like to go out and have a nice meal. And as we all know, those were among the hardest hit during the pandemic. So in order to not stop the flow of lamb out to the public, we developed a relationship with a fast, casual dining. So that gave us a lot of exposure with lamb. Joel says the lamb market really varied this past year, and location plays a large factor in demand. If you're a lamb raiser, a lot of people raise for the spring market because Easter and some of the ethnic holidays are especially important. The, uh, and I should mention that the ethnic market is growing for lamb producers, and since their calendar changes in a way that our calendar does not change, it provides a lot of opportunities for producers to sell lamb throughout the year. Checking markets before we leave you. We've got wheat in Minneapolis 4 to 5 lower. Corn is trading down a penny. Soybean is trading 13 to 14 cents lower. Thanks for joining us. Have a great afternoon. This is the Red River Farm Network.